The first thing that might creep into your mind's eye of Pat McNamara might be the sight of him leaping from his mother's womb voraciously and swiftly dropkicking the delivery dock in the face to the Rolling Stones blaring over the hospital loudspeaker. Upon first sight, you might view McNamara through the same lens as a Chuck Norris-type figure, particularly in Norris's role as Major Scott McCoy in the Delta Force, a tale of the pantheonic titans of the Special Forces Godhead. This was, of course, one of our culture's first attempts at capturing the elite unit through the scope of Hollywood. Tier 1 warriors, heavy metal blaring, heavy weaponry blazing, on the way to some godforsaken part of the planet to take out the trash, and maybe rescue a damsel in distress along the way. Even though this is clearly the entertainment industry's paltry effort to take an extremely complex mission set and stupefy it into something digestible over 90 minutes, you get the picture. Back to our late 80s, early 90s vision of Pat McNamara and fast forward. Here he is in the modern day, usually sporting some variation of the Fu Manchu, a tatted up, chiseled out frame, even at 55 plus. Many would describe as that of a war machine. But this idea of him being formed from that clay mold initially wasn't even half accurate. He hadn't grown up as a supercharged killer hostage rescuing Zenith. In fact, McNamara would, in fact, describe himself as a kid who'd get his ass kicked, more interested in riding unicycles, shaping plaster models, or watching birds than learning how to crush the enemy. But interestingly enough, that same foundation that seemed so far out of the scope of all things elite is what made Pat such a force to be reckoned with. All of the nuances of who he was at the Genesis became the very sum of all parts that make McNamara so uniquely capable. Things obviously changed, and he found a new path as his formative years took him into young adulthood. But the story along the way is engrossing nonetheless. Who is Pat McNamara? Why is he where he is? How did he get here? All fair questions, better answered by the man himself. Here he is, the one and only Pat McNamara. The Veterans Project is a comprehensive essay capturing the legacies of our warfighters, caregivers, and civilians who have stepped forward in defense of our patriotic principles in an effort to capture their stories and to never forget the staggering sacrifices of our nation's finest. This is the Veterans Project Podcast, where our legacies are the mission. Here's your host, Tim Kay. Welcome to the Veterans Project Podcast. My name is Tim Kay. I'll be your host as always. Pat Mac. Right on. <laughs> Rocking, man. Hell it's so yeah. good to have you here, brother. Thanks for having me, man. I like what you're doing. I appreciate I'm picking it. up what you're putting down. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Yep. <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down. I don't know if I right can on. keep up, but. <laughs> yeah, man. You got a trebuchet. Yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces and parts, man. Yeah. <laughs> I have a trebuchet, a functioning trebuchet that I hand built. And drew up my own. I drew up my own plans. For I came it. out there. I saw it and I photographed. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> we should have launched something. Yeah. Maybe before you leave, we'll launch something. That'd be pretty rad for yep. photos for yep. sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit of video. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, is that a basic dude thing? <laughs> yeah. I, as a matter of fact, I recorded it for basic dude stuff. Not in that building at Trebuchet is basic dude stuff, but yeah, problem solving, mm-hmm. building stuff. I use the Trebuchet for basic dude stuff probably in. Six different examples, mm. um, uh, uh, like truing up, you know, with a plumb bob. 
yeah. for instance. Plum Bob uh, explained that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, you know, it was an improvised Plum Bob where I, I just had a washer on a piece of string. Okay. But you just hold it, and then it gives you vertical true. Mm. What is true vertical? Okay. You know, and yeah. uh, that way I was able to true up the trebuchet. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I used that. That was one example. Building stuff was another example. Yeah. Problem solving. Um, two different knots. Timber hitch. Mm. And um, a double sheet bend. Mm. So I used, I don't know how many times I used the trebuchet as basic dudes. Oh, also goofing off, having fun. <laughs> <laughs> also a very important part of basic dude Hell stuff. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> basic gal stuff, don't basic dude stuff. <laughs> basic dude stuff knows no gender. <laughs> yeah. Though, do you think a lot of that stuff's, you know, as we open these Kill Cliffs mm-hmm. on here? Yep. Love Kill Cliff. Same. Great company. You love them. Yep. Do you think a lot of this is getting lost, becoming you, lost? You talking basic dude stuff in general? Yes. Absolutely. Even yeah. so, what I started doing recently, I did my first one last week, but I'm going to keep putting them in there, is etiquette. Mm. Etiquette. Etiquette's important. Yep, etiquette. So, you know, the right way to greet, the right way to shake a hand, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, being good to others. But so not only... Are skills like primal skills, or being able to turn a wrench, mm-hmm. uh, being able to work on your own car, plug a tire, tie a double Windsor tie, tie a knot. Not only that stuff is becoming lost, but etiquette uh, and people skills mm-hmm. are becoming lost because we're so connected that we're disconnected. Yeah, people live in a forty-five degree syndrome world. Yeah. You know where they're constantly switched off because they're switched on mm-hmm. always looking at a device yeah you'll see later when we go when we go to the pub you'll see three people all sitting down with a beer in front of them yeah beautiful sunny day they'll be outside and and you'll see three people all on their cell phones yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm like are you freaking kidding me man you not you can't collectively be that boring yeah that your phones are more interesting than the person sitting across from yeah. you. Or maybe that's an indicator. Maybe they are boring. Yeah. But it kills me too, you know, seeing couples out out to dinner. Mm-hmm. And you know that this couple has kids. And you know that the kids are at home with a babysitter. Oh, yeah. And you know that these parents had to call and hire a babysitter. Yeah. Yet they're out with one another and they're both on their cell phones. Crazy. I have a collection of photographs in my uh, and a folder on my phone right here where I've taken pictures of groups of people <laughs> and I call, I call that folder on point you know because it's it's the complete opposite yeah 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 you but, gotta you're, you're doing some social science there Pat oh big time yeah big time <laughs> you know what's funny is throughout the course of my master's degree I got in emerging media and communication so mm. studying a lot of social media patterns networks, oh right on cool kind of stuff, yeah 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 uh, you know one of the things that we came to really understand was how uh, technology interrupts relationship Right, And it was amazing if you studied the statistics of divorce, breakups, kind of what had happened in the right. course of that relationship yeah, yeah, yeah. to get there. A lot mm-hmm. of it was caused by technology. Startlingly, startlingly scary. You mean, I know a lot of couples yeah. that have broken up because of their uh, flirting with an old schoolmate on Facebook. Right, right. Or they have a porn addiction. Right. Or... Um, they're um, uh, messaging, you know, men or women 
that they don't know that they think that they have a relationship with right. now. So are you talking there or are you talking beyond that? I'm talking you... beyond that. I'm talking with that and beyond that yep. because of just interruptive data. Just our minds are so set on this little box in mm. front of our face. Yep. So we're so distracted that, you know, that's a big part, which you were just talking about, but also disenfranchisement with the relationship, right. not being in it, you yep. know, and being broken up by that little black box mm-hmm. because you're spending so much time there and not ever present in the room with your family members. It's gnarly. It kills me. You know, I, I I have a saying. I have lots of sayings. But one of you them do. is um, every night is Saturday night, but every morning is Monday morning. Mm. So n- it, three or four times a week. Uh, Re- Rebecca works downtown, and she gets off between 5 and 7 p.m. at night. We usually link up downtown yeah. around 6 p.m. You know, around that time, because right. it does a couple things. Number one, it gets me out of the house. Otherwise, because if I'm here, I'm just going to work. So I need that shutdown time. Um, but uh, number two, um, it's an opportunity to to be social. Not that I want to socialize with people. Right. I don't need a bunch of friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I like the familiar familiarity of like the the places I go and the people that uh i am surrounded with because i know them yeah you know like my local establishments but when rebecca and i get together and have a couple pints dude we chat like schoolgirls, man <laughs> we're not on our freaking and we do this we have dates like three to five times a week where we're out yeah but we're never together and both on our cell phones yeah the only time we're on our devices if we have something to share. Oh, let me show you this thing. This right. is funnier now. Or I took this picture today of this thing. Look at this. Yeah. But that's it. Presence is so important. Yeah, right? man. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and it and it and it drives me crazy, you know, if uh I'm at a table mm-hmm. with uh let's say three or four people um and somebody jumps on their cell phone. Yeah. Or let's say two of them do. Rebecca and I will look at each other and we'll just relocate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you doing that. And 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 a lot a lot of times they won't even notice because they're so consumed yeah. with that little device in front of them. Mm. They won't even notice. You know, one of the things that I admired the most about you and one thing that I saw that was ever present when we were in, going through the Sentinel course over the weekend was that I don't remember one time where I saw your phone come out. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, we were good. present, but, but I've mm-hmm. been on plenty of courses. Yep. Tactical instructors, I won't name any names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to destroy the project. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, people where they're out on their phone like every five minutes yep. checking. It's like what's what you're showing to people around you, what's most important is what's on that screen right? and not them. Mm-hmm. So that's yep. a very good point. Yep. Yep. Yeah, man, I, I'm, I make it a point. I'm not going to no hell no. It, it, to the point where there's some neglect there. Right. I don't ever take pictures. Either. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So people are, they're always saying, hey, man, you should take some pictures or get some video of this and that. I'm like, eh. Mm-hmm. I, I need to be present for them, you know, yeah. not for me. Yeah. Occasionally, I'll bust it out and say, hey, uh, get a video of this, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, I'm glad you noticed that. Yeah, I did mm-hmm. right yep. away. That was something that I noticed. Well, I was raised, you know, I was homeschooled my whole life. So growing up as a kid, you know, we had manners class that started at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. every morning to Ooh, 7. Cool. And my mom, you know, had us learning, you know, 
basically the cotillion way, you know, of like asking a woman to dance, how to pull out a chair, right on. you know, shaking hands, where your spoons went, where your forks went, where all your knives went on the table setting, cool, how to treat people. That stuff was very important to my mom. Then That's that all was, basic dude stuff, too, Basic man. dude stuff, yeah. Yep. And then that was followed by an hour of Bible, and then we started our, you know, daily school regimen. But that was incorporated Holy into everything crap. we did. Good for you, man. You are you are very fortunate. I, I am very fortunate. I have great parents. Yeah. So, you know, Pat, I, I just going back, man, I was 17 years old, 16 years old, getting ready to get in the army. I wasn't really paying attention to too much stuff, uh, you know, as far as the military went, but I knew that I wanted to join. I knew mm-hmm. that there was a purpose to that. Plus I had to pay for college yep. looking for a way to do that. So, and I knew that baseball scholarships were not going to be enough to pay all the way. And I asked my dad where the college fund was, and he looked at me like I stepped off an alien spaceship. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. Right. Right. So YouTube, though, I remember going and seeing your videos. Mm-hmm. And I remember very early on you being one of the first instructors I watched. And you just broke things down in such a simple format. Right. It was profound. Mm-hmm. Profoundly intelligent is how I describe it. Yep. <laughs> it was very much punch you in the throat, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we're going to give you this information. We want you to access this, and we want you to use it. Mm-hmm. What about integrating that training? I saw a lot of lifting, running, shooting, a lot of the stuff that you incorporated into adrenaline, making sure that people were set and ready. How did you decide to incorporate that into what you were doing? You mean uh, the physical stuff? Yeah, into, just the into, phys- the, into the shooting stuff? Yes, absolutely. Uh, one is, I mean, when I was in special ops units, we did a lot of that. Yeah. Now, once I got into the civilian world, um, I realized, like, when I put up my first, very first YouTube video, <laughs> I was stationary as well. Mm. I was doing the same thing everybody else was. You know, all the other YouTube gun nerds. Mm-hmm. And and I looked at that video, I went, eh, that's really, that's not me. And it kind of fell flat, you know, my first two. Um, so I thought, well, let's see how this plays. You know, let's let's start in doing stuff that I did while I was in the unit, for instance. Yeah. You know, running and gunning, uh, pushing, pulling, uh, sweating, you know, getting that heart rate accelerated before you go into a hard course of fire. And the response spoke for itself. Mm-hmm. Guys were like, yes. That's we it. Need, yeah, so I started pumping a bunch of those out, like over the top, ridiculous, you know, climbing rope, pushing a truck, um, Metallica uh, banging. In the yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Throwing sandbags, strong hand shots from 50 yards, you know, jumping up in, into the back of my truck, uh, balancing kettlebells overhead. I mean, they were like shot impossible stuff. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, and, and the results are because of, you know, the amount of views I saw and the, the responses were, were mind blowing. So I thought I need to keep doing this because nobody else is. Yeah. Now it didn't take long before other guys started doing that too. Right. They said, Oh man, this guy, I need to do this, this crap too, you know? So, and I also incorporate a lot of movement in my courses, nothing brutal because I always have a pretty broad and wide skill set disparity and physical disparity, age disparity. So I'm careful, you know, so we do, we don't drag kettlebells and climb ropes and crap like that, but there's a lot of movement, you know, kinetics, right? There's a lot of foot movement, a lot of dance steps because uh, fighting is fighting. You know, there's going to be movement. There's going to be kinetics. So that has to be incorporated into the training and, and 
man, people, they freaking love it, you know? Yeah. They just love it. Well, yeah. you saw on Sunday. Oh, yeah. All the movement stuff that we did. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, it's, you won't see that, that kind of stuff on any other range unless people are copying what, what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Watching people, though, mentally aware, like the cognitive awareness was high on the range. And yep. I noticed that even with you. When you mm-hmm. were in a group, yeah, you were paying attention to them, but you had your peripheral. You yep. were watching mm-hmm. everything. I noticed that. Everything. Everybody Everything. around you. Yep. And that yep. becomes exhausting. Yeah. You know, so in a weekend course, I'm pretty smoked. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it's because how I, like you saw that round robin, there's three different courses of fire going on and there's movement up and down, left and right on the range. Yeah. Uh, and I want guys to have fun and, and, and to be engaged, but there's, there's opportunity, you know, for grab ass to happen. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I need to make sure that, I am really – the other thing is, too, though, by day two, we don't do that stuff on day one, you know. And by day two, I know who the loose cannons are, the guys with red flags. Yeah. So I know when to be extra vigilant mm-hmm. um, because I can't see everybody. Right, yeah. But, you know, even in that round robin, there's only three people shooting, even though there's – 12 on 12 people on the range right so it looks chaotic but it's pretty controlled it's controlled chaos yeah yeah and i know and i noticed too on the other parts of the course you know guys other guys were stepping up that were maybe the more experienced yep. shooters and getting in there and kind of backing people up yep ready for it 100 percent. and they take from that institutional knowledge that you've given them they mm-hmm. watch it it's yep. practical so <clears throat> going back <laughs> pat mack is yep. a young kid Oh, we're going Who, way back. We're going way back. <laughs> Who was he? How did he get? How did he decide on the path that he decided on? Born in '65. Yep. What was the way for you to get to where you've gotten? It, 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 it um, man, it's my metamorphosis started late in life. It didn't, you know, I wasn't, um, you know, a like a energetic, athletic little kid. <laughs> I was ambitious in that I liked to work. And I remember early on getting motivated by money uh, and that people were willing to give me money if I worked for it. Yeah. Um, And, man, I learned that early on. I mean, I had a bank account when I was 14 years old. Mm. Uh, But um, my metamorphosis probably didn't happen until I was, like, 14 or 15 years old Mm. you know before that i was very quirky i was very nerdy um very gentle passive young lad it's hard to picture you that way. yeah man (laughs) i mean i was the kid who drove a unicycle to school you know i I was the kid who get his ass kicked because i was a bird watcher not a football player (laughs) uh you know i I wanted to juggle and ride a unicycle and and uh learn magic tricks and crap like that um and 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 draw you know, do artwork and and make things out of plaster and carve and sculpt and all that geeky crap. Um, I started. Um, uh, I had an older brother who tormented me. I'll go through this part quickly, but it's relevant. Mm-hmm. He was he was just a nasty individual. Um, I was he was the firstborn. I was the second. He was two years older. But a lot bigger too, and he was a bully, uh, and he tormented me because I was a, just a gentle, passive, little 
sissy. <laughs> so I was easy target. You know, yeah. I was easy prey. Uh, and his, his, I mean, he, it affected me a lot, you know, where I was, I was afraid of him. Um, and I did not like him and I was his, I was just easy target for whenever he wanted to, uh, uh, get out frustration, anger, or just have fun. Cause that's what bullies, they want to have fun. They want to torment somebody. He went to prison. The, the first time he went to prison, he was six. He was 16. I was 14. And uh, my neighbors, they knew that he tormented me. And I had this one neighbor in particular who became a mentor. And he said, hey, man, you have time right now. Time. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's time to get ready for Kevin to come back. Because in a year and a half, Kevin was coming back home. Brother Kevin. <clears throat> and he said, you should get ready for him. And I had no idea what he was talking about. But he just laid it laid it out. He said, "People, people are bullies and can't change them unless you unless you change the way they think." Right. You know, and as soon as a bully gets punched in the freaking nose, he's no longer a bully. Um, and uh, he started uh, setting me on a path to like weightlifting. It was a whole new thing for me. You know, he he said, "Hey, check out these magazines. You know, Muscle and Fitness or whatever they were. I, I forget what the '70s version of those were." Uh, and, um, and he was also a martial artist. He said, I'm going to teach you some fighting. And he said, you should join sports in school. My dad loved that. I had this mentor. He loved, cause he liked this guy too. Yeah. Cause this guy was a, 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 a local cop in my town before he was a cop. He was in the hell's angels. Okay. Um, and he was a black belt in Taekwondo. So diverse background. Yeah. 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 Yep. But he, and he was cool as shit, man. I mean, real cool. Um, but I started, I joined the wrestling team because he recommended it. And my dad was thrilled that I was, you know, going to join a sports team. <laughs> <laughs> and man, I sucked so freaking bad. <laughs> but I stuck with it because I had a good coach. The coach of the team was, he, he did not shun the little sissy kids who sucked. Mm. He, he, he saw potential in everybody, which was cool as shit, man. Um, so I stuck with it. And he even, um, he suggested, you know, hey, go and uh, uh, wrestle in the summer times at the college, you know, if you want to be good. And I was like, hell, no, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to stick with the wrestling team. And But it, it, my so my first year wrestling, what uh, uh, freshman year, you know, I just got my ass kicked all the time. The second year, I won one match. You know, in my second year, so in my uh, uh, 10th grade, I won one match. And I remember that feeling of victory. It was the first time I was ever victorious in mm -hmm. anything substantial. You know, I'm not talking uh, victorious and picking flowers and, and, and recognizing a new bird. But <laughs> this was big. I won a wrestling match. And I wanted more of that. <clears throat> so that summer, before 11th grade, I did what he said. And I went and... Uh, couple days a week went to the college and the college kids were awesome they were like hell yeah you know young punky high school kids want to be better at wrestling absolutely we'll teach you some shit um so 11th grade i was good you know like really good i was way up there uh and senior year i was the captain of the team uh, couldn't be beaten won all the state tournaments and everything wow and, um, so that was a big game changer for me. You know, that was it. And that's, 
So it was 11th grade, I started thinking about the military because I like this new feeling of this toughness, you know, and the, and the confidence that came with that and not cockiness, but confidence, you know, and it also, um, everything was going my way because of that. So I did better, uh, in with grades, for instance, um, uh, I was working two part-time jobs too. I was, so I was going to high school, uh, wrestling, working two part-time jobs. Uh, I, I, I started packing on muscle, you know, and girls became interested in me and I was like, holy crap, man, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm this whole new person now, you know, and, uh, you're having a whole new world. Yeah, man. And, uh, so it was that year was the end of uh, my, um, junior year of high school. I'm like 16 and a half, 17. When Kevin comes back home from prison, I'm a new dude now, bro. And he started shit with me, and I jacked him up right in front of my parents. Wow. Double leg takedown, headlock, punches to the face. Yeah. Right in the kitchen. And my parents just sat there and watched. Yeah. They were like, that dude, that's his up and comments right there. Yeah. Yep. I finished punching him in the face. Wham, wham, wham. I got up and told my parents, see you later, because a buddy of mine was waiting for me outside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there was a lot of freedom with that too, you know, or with, uh, being, a uh, being an athlete and doing good in school. My parents let me do whatever the hell I wanted. Plus I was making money. Yeah. You know, they let me do whatever I wanted, man. Responsible man. Yeah. 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 It was, it was a great feeling, you know, because they had with, with all the other kids, hell no, man, lock and key, yeah. you know? Yeah. They didn't have that kind of freedom. Mm. I had freedom. Yeah. <laughs> What was the path from there is to getting into the military? So you yeah, said man. you started feeling around 11th grade. Yeah. And, I and, and, and so, you know, senior year, there was no doubt. It was, it was, that's my path, but it's a big path. Where are you going to go? And my dad kept saying, um, become an officer, become an officer, become an officer. Uh, you need, you know, try to get into this academy, this academy, this academy, you know, like the air force academy and West point. Thankfully, I did not have the mental capacity for that. <laughs> I mean, those are big, for, you know, schools, man. Right, yeah. You know, and and uh, even though I was good in high school, I was an honor graduate, uh, you know, on the honor roll, on the honor roll. Uh, I, I just didn't, I didn't have the mental capacity for it. And I told him, I says, I'm, I, I'm not sure I want to go that route. I think I want to, I want to be a badass, you know? Yeah. But what is that? Because nowadays, kids are inundated. They hear about Rangers and SEAL Team 6 and Force Recon. And, you know, they they know about all this crap. Now it's they're, it's all over the news and there's books and there's movies. Back then, you didn't know shit, man. You know, you didn't know crap about any of that stuff. And uh, I had a talk with um, this one. I was working. The gym that I was going to was... Uh, 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 YMCA. Okay. And there was a dude in there. He was, he used to be in the military and we would talk occasionally. And, and, uh, he said, man, you, you're packing on the freaking muscle and this and that. Uh, what are you going to do after high school? I said, I'm going to join the military. He says, you know what? I said, nah. He said, man, you should, you should, you know, you should do some special operations stuff. Mm. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> so I went and talked to all of the rec- recruiters. There was a recruiter row, you know, downtown. It was just one after the other. Right. 
And it was just this dumbass question I asked each one of them. Uh, hey, what, what's the hardest thing I could do? In the Marine Corps, what's the hardest thing I could do? Hey, in the Air Force, what's the hardest thing I could do? In the Navy. And the Army had the best, fastest answer for me. Because they had two routes, uh, fast, what I call fast-tracking to badassery, mm-hmm. which nobody else had fast-tracked to badassery. You know, you had to go through a series of this and that, and it was... But the Army had, you know, uh, Army Airborne Ranger contract. And then in, uh, also in 1983, because that's when this was, they also had this brand new thing called the uh, SF Baby. Gotcha. Yep. X-ray program. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. a brand new thing, X-ray program. And plus they had the coolest recruiting poster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at that recruiting poster on the wall, seeing this dude with a green beret on and and like rappel ropes, you know, and camouflage and a rifle. And I'm going, that right there is what I want. I need that. I want to be that guy. And, you know, and, and it's not like I, first blood was just on the radar. So John it wasn't, J. Rambo. Yeah, so it wasn't like I, you know, I saw that, um, that movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's how I, I signed up for that. Yeah. Yep. How was the recruitment process? Was your recruiter pretty honest with you? Did you? Nope. Nope. <laughs> so the, the, the cool th- here, and I remember his name, Pooler. Pooler. Sergeant First Class Pooler. Um, he was nice enough, but I went and told my dad, I said, hey, I, I, I signed a contract. And I did this without my dad knowing. And he goes, damn, you should have talked to me first. He says, what for? And I told him, Special Forces. And he goes, my buddy, this buddy of his, Paul, used to be in Special Forces. So Paul is also a lawyer. Okay. <clears throat> and he said, hey, bring Paul down there uh, to the recruiter station and have him review your paperwork. So we go down, and uh, the recruiter sees us coming in. I go, hey, uh, Sergeant Pooler, or, uh, this is uh, – my dad's friend, Paul, he's a lawyer. And Paul said, hey, can we see the paperwork? And, man, he was scrambling. Yeah. <laughs> Changing, you know, dotting, dotting uh, t- I's and crossing T's. And you, might not have had, you might not have had that special forces in that right? contract. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, thankfully, my dad had my best interest in mind and, and uh, got that done for me. But, um, yeah, so that was the beginning right there. That's awesome. <laughs> what was the pipeline like from there? Back then, you know, you're so you're in the 80s. This yep. is pre nine eleven everything yeah know, yeah everything they kicked yeah off. peacetime still peacetime army cold war you know or shit so the pipeline then was infantry basic so thirteen weeks of that so the process was thirteen weeks infantry basic to jump school okay and then to Fort Bragg for the SF course gotcha and then you went straight into the SF course qualification yep uh, what was what was SFAS back like back then? It, there was no SFAS. It was called pre-phase. Pre-phase, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just a weeding process. Yeah. It was just a beat down. Mm. Let's just trim the fat. Yeah. See who really wants to be mm. here. How, how much did you learn throughout that course? Was there some good leadership that really helped Through you? Through the SF course yeah. itself? Yeah. Um, I, I got to be honest. I didn't learn as much from them as I did from my peers. Okay. So these... Buck sergeants, staff sergeants, and sergeants first class who had come from infantry units, who had come from ranger battalions, that's where the learning took mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. Being in the field with those dudes right there, holy crap. It, little shit, like seeing how they packed their ruck, seeing how they rucked, you know, because there's a, 
And these guys telling me, hey, when it comes to rucking, tighten that thing up, wear it high on your back, one foot in front of the other, you know, lock your knees and on and on and big strides, uh, stay clean in the field. This is how you pack your ruck. This is how you set up, um, you know, a poncho tent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All that crap. So, man, I learned this is how you make coffee in the field. You know, shit like that. Um, that's where the learning took place. Mm. The instructors, you know, they're just teach. They're just reading out of a book and, or um, you know, yelling at you in the field. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did yeah. you enjoy the process? Did you enjoy going through the course? Yeah, yeah. I, I did. I mean, it came with. It, it was a it was a bumpy road for me. Yeah, there was a lot of failures, a lot of letdowns. Ugh. Mm. Um, but. I mean, there were there were certain parts I loved and certain parts I hated. Mm. You know, I mean, because it, it, the whole process, you know, during the whole process, they want you to learn, but they also want to toughen you up. Right. So there's beat down, there's sleep deprivation, there's hunger, there's weather. It was never hot. It was always cold. I don't <laughs> get that. It was always cold. Always. Um, but, yeah, I appreciated the process and – uh Man, it was freaking hard. Yeah. It, it was not easy for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, who'd you go to first in, in Special Forces? Who, which group were you with? At I went to a first group out of Fort Lewis, Washington. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Was Were you accepted in pretty easily when you got there? Did you feel like the team was really accepting? No, no, uh, because I was I was a private. Right. So what do I know? Mm. What are you bringing to the table? Yeah. Nothing but a green beret. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You have no background, mm. so there's 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 nothing there but a but a qualification and a tab on your arm. Mm-hmm. Um, so now what I had to do was work, right? Prove my prove my worth by working harder than the other guy. Yeah. So now I had to prove work ethic, work ethic, you know, and and uh, yeah, I had to had to show them that I want to be here. I want to learn. I want to do better. Uh, and I started doing that and started fast tracking, you know, I volunteer for that. I want to go to that school. I yeah. want to do this. <laughs> yeah. That's an important part, right? Yeah, man. Showing adaptability. Yeah. Yeah, move, yeah. Yeah. Work yeah. harder. Yeah. Yeah. So you're in first group. How, how long in the pipeline, how long were you with them before you moved on to other things? Uh, about three years. Yeah. About that. Um, and while there, I um, I got my combat dive school, Halo school, uh, another SFMOS, so both 18 Bravo and 18 Echo, uh, but about three years before I got recruited to do other things. Mm, yeah. Did you know that you wanted to do those other things? Were those things in your mind? or The other qualifications? Yeah, moving into another unit. Into oh, no, 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 no. Hell no, no. Now, um... It, you know, at that young age, you're you don't have a, like a five year plan, right? You know, this is what I want to do in the military. You're just kind of coasting. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just uh, um, kind of snap blinking into other people and strap strap hanging and and um, you know trying to keep your head above the water. Yeah, yeah. So I had no idea that anything else was ever on the horizon, mm-hmm. ever. 
anywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when you got pulled that way, what was it like, you know, going through that? And, and how much, you know, obviously I don't know how much you can get into, but as far as going to that next school and what you're going through there, how much more challenging was that next level moving up? Um, you're talking schools or assignments? Cause, assignments. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, going to other assignments was um, – Man, that was an eye opener because it was com- the next thing I did was a completely different ball of wax. Yeah, I mean, I got recruited to do some Cold War shit that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, wasn't on my radar anywhere. Mm-hmm. No, who knows about this crap? You want me to do what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Set up networks for double agents in Berlin. You yeah. know, yeah, I'm yeah. Like, and I get to grow my hair out, and and I'm gonna be my uniform, civilian clothes. Yeah. Like, holy crap, man! I didn't know. That. Man, I'm gonna live on the economy and and have a job on the economy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, that was some crazy crap, man. And it, it was so much fun, and it was such a bigger challenge. And I had two. I had two Cold War jobs. Yeah, I had that one, and then another one where I was spying on the Soviet army in former Soviet East Germany. Oh wow. That comes up uh, pretty relevant nowadays. Yeah, no yeah, kidding. Yeah. yeah, I'm watching the news right now, and I'm going, "Oh, there's a uh, Beater 80. That's a PTS2. That's a uh, you know MiG 29. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I still on those. You know, there's a uh, um, you know T80 reactive. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Did you enjoy those jobs? Did you enjoy doing? Yeah, that they were yeah. cool, man. Yeah. I mean, cool and scary. Scary, yeah. yeah. But real cool, especially looking back. You know, yeah. Because I realized not many people got to do that stuff. Yeah. Very few. Mm. I mean, that one where I was working in Soviet East Germany, there was only seven slots for that. Wow. Mm. Do you remember those scenarios? Do you remember any of that stuff, like individually, uh, some of the stuff? And yeah, 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 yeah. Can you talk about any of yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, on, in that job, uh, we had to become Warsaw Pack, Whippet, Whippet Warsaw Pack ID experts and we went to they sent us to a school in uh in kent in uh england uh, run by british military intelligence and uh uh so once there at uh, it was called us mlm there's the see that license plate up there yeah that yeah. was for the front of one of my cars wow. now this was uh it wasn't covert spying it was pretty overt okay so you they know, knew you were there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, under cover for action, cover for status. Mm. We were at liaison unit to the Soviet Army. Blah, mm. blah, 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 blah. Which, you know, <laughs> they knew what the hell we were doing. Yeah. Um, and when we'd go out on, we'd call missions, um, we'd go out three days at a whack, and you're pretty much staying up the whole time. You know, uh, it just wasn't conducive to longevity to take a nap somewhere <laughs> right yeah yeah uh and you went out in these mercedes galinda wagons highly modified uh you went out with two people and uh so one of us was a german speaker one a russian speaker both of us warsaw pack id experts uh and for three days at a whack you'd go, drive over the galinica Brooke, show them your credentials Went to the consulate, exchanged mail, and then you went into enemy territory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And um, a lot of where we went was based on, you know, satellite imagery and stuff like that. Right. 
and so you you kind of probe certain areas. We had to be careful how we traveled because it was a cat and mouse game. Mm. You know, um, the Soviets knew. Right. They were watching. Yeah. If they saw us, they knew what we were up to. And they had impunity to stop us with whatever means available. Right. Uh, so you didn't want to get caught with your pants down. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we would just start probing certain areas. And then you look for like either training areas or convoys and you or train depots, you know, that kind of train tracks. And you look for um, whatever type of kit. And then you look at the uh, the plate number so you could associate it with units and this and that. And then you're looking for new relevant kit, you know, uh, new modifications. You know, what's that modification to that? You're all uh, uh, 375. I've never seen that comms package on the back before. Let's take pictures of it. So, you know, when we get back, we could send it up to hire and they could evaluate it. Mm. Um but yeah, man, that it was fun. So it was all just you know like basically reconnaissance. Gotcha. You know, yeah. just taking pictures, video, and um, associating it with order battle, with uh, with unit uh, affiliation, that kind of stuff. That's cool. But it was hairy, man. It was hairy stuff, and it was fun. That was fun as shit. Yeah, yeah. I think it was fun too because element of danger. Right. You know, there's always element of danger. Yeah. Mm. Did you ever get stopped? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. We got yeah. caught. See, the Soviets would issue us maps. Okay. And these maps of East Germany had these big yellow sections in them. And these yellow sections were called PRAs, permanently restricted areas. Mm. And you couldn't go into those areas. But that's where all the good shit was, man. Yeah. yeah. That's where all the nuke was and KGB comms and crap like that. Yeah. So. So you wanted to probe those, but you had to be real slick about it. Mm, wow. Uh, because they had, they had impunity. They could, they could kill you if you get caught in PRA. Wow. Um, outside of PRA, it was, we were a liaison unit to the Soviet army. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 But in PRA, they could, they could. They could stop you, detain you, kill you. Mm, wow. And we're crossing the bridge. We knew it, it, this was hairy. We, we, me and uh, it was uh, this one major I was with, we were tucked up into the woods and we're checking out this bridge with binos. And we knew on the other side there was, uh, I, I think it was possible, S-A, uh See if I can remember which one this was. SA twenty one. Anyway, it was nuke capable, right? Okay, surface, yeah. uh, surface to surface, or surface to uh, surface to air, or surface to surface. I can't remember if it was SS twenty one or SA. Uh, but um, so we wanted to get across this bridge and then tuck into the woods and start taking tank trails and and, uh, and we kept looking. We go, it looks clear. Let's let's try it out. <laughs> yeah. uh, as soon as we freaking hit this bridge, it was this bridge was about maybe 400 meters long yeah. um bmp two pulls up on the other side of it oh. so i put it in reverse and just zil 131 behind us troops and they get out Ooh. i'm like and they got freaking rifles and we help we don't have any rifles yeah. bro yeah and i'm like shit this is bad this is really bad so now we're stuck between these two things uh and the troop carrier these guys had a they had they unloaded something 
from the back and they um they unfolded it was a massive chunk of canvas you know just a big sheet of canvas and and one of them got on one side of the bridge and one on the other and they started walking and putting air underneath of it mm. and they got to the vehicle and they tarped the vehicle oh my god so tarp over the entire vehicle now we're in complete blackness wow but talk about ingenuity talk about field expedient way to stop a vehicle Smart. who would have thunk of that yeah, you know because yeah, yeah. you're not going anywhere yeah um and we're in blackness and they're pounding on the doors and yelling in freaking Russian. And I'm going, Oh my God, man. Mm. I just, and I'm thinking to myself, this is the first time, because I've said this a bunch of times in my military years, but this is the first time I ever thought about, thought of it. I was thinking, if they start just shooting into this car, it's probably not going to hurt that much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when 762 by 39 starts ripping through this thing, yeah, yeah it's probably not going to hurt that much. Yeah. This is the first time I ever thought that because oh, I was really, really nervous. Yeah. And we're under there for like maybe an hour and a half. Jeez. Uh, and every once in a while, Tarp would lift up and an officer, Soviet officer, would yell at my officer and he would talk back, you know, and they're talking Russian. I didn't know what the hell they were saying because I'm a German speaker. Yeah. Um, and then we hear a helicopter land uh, close to us, you know, uh, um, uh, a hip, you know, MI8. And um, there's more discussion outside. You could hear people talking and the officer I'm with is listening in and tarp gets raised again. They have a discussion and he says, Hey, I got to get out of the car. And I'm like, God <laughs> dang it. Don't do this, bro. Don't, 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 don't. He says, no, it's going to be all right. And I'm like, this is the worst possible scenario right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he cracks a door and they're holding and these Soviets are freaking pointing rifles at me and I'm going, mother, what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. I have there's, we don't even have radios, bro. They were, cause they were afraid of RDF, you know, radio direction fighting. Yeah. So they didn't want to want us carrying two meter rigs, you know, and, and I'm going, holy shit. But, and I could hear him. They're right there. He says, I, I'm going to leave the door cracked and we're just, I'll be right here. And they're. Their banter's back and forth, talking, 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 and um, and he gets back in, and they untarp the car, and we leave. Wow, I didn't even ask. Yeah, uh, what drug deal did you make? I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> we we freaking did that. We did that turnaround and back the other way. Drug deal for your lives. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Wow, man, mm. that's wild. Yeah. So beyond that, where did you where did you go from there? Well, so I was there during um, uh, so in Ber- based out of Berlin during Vita Vereinigten, so reunification. Mm. You know, so I was there when the wall came down wow. in eighty nine, and then um, reunification ninety one. Mm. How, how powerful of a process was that to see the that was pretty people cool. come together? That was pretty cool. Yeah, I was yeah. there during the whole thing. So like reunification night was badass man you know because the party was right there at the uh, brandenburg gate mm. you know and the walls down now and the it, the main the first party during moving vacation it lasted all night mm. right there in the streets wow there were empty bottles of booze everywhere yeah <laughs> and there wasn't you know and it was just elation yeah. you know everybody was just elate i mean there was you think in a I mean, there was thousands of people out there. You'd think you'd see a fist fight. Yeah. It, w- it was just nothing but hugs and kisses and love for everybody. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> it was it was unfreaking believable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, 
once that dried up, I'm going, well, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah. There was only one possible. I needed to go to selection for the unit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was my next step. Mm. What was that like? Selection? Was, yeah, selection. Was that a, was that a ball buster too? I mean, yeah, of course. But um, probably. And I realized that was tough. Be- but. It was, it's the best, most professional uh, course you could ever go to. Yeah. Um, you're done. You're all done at that point with being yelled at and crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody's yelling at you. You're not sleep deprived either, mm. nor are you starving. Mm. So, you, you, you know, you think when people think military schools, they think of those three right. things, right? Cold, wet. Getting screamed Hungry, at. tired, getting yelled at. I mean, you were cold and wet in, in selection, but uh, you weren't, you know, sleep deprived. Nobody's yelling at you. That course was as hard as you made it on a personal level. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was, it's as simple as that. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a ball buster because you wanted to be there. Mm. And it's you know it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. You know it. It's going to be, this is not going to be easy. Yeah. And it wasn't for me because I failed the first time through. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of guys do, though. Yeah, right? yeah, that's yeah. A tough, yep. That's yep. a tough course. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody knows yep. that. Yeah. You made it through finally, and you get to the yeah. unit. How professional of an organization Ridiculous. Is yeah. Yep. I mean, there no other place on the planet. Mm. Like, you know, I mean, just ridiculous. And the the uh, the amount of knowledge there, man, yeah. and the amount of badassery. That place just oozed badassery. Yeah. It's the pinnacle of everything badass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and everybody, all, all other special ops guys knew that too. Right. You know, uh, because there's guys from other branches in special ops units who wanted to be there. Right. Yeah. They, they, so they, they knew it as well. Yeah. Um, but man, that, that was, that was, I spent 13 years there. Yeah. And man, it was just, it was an experience that, um, I, I, I wish I could, you know, share the entire experience. Right. Like when I do a podcast or yeah, something, yeah, but totally. yeah, there's just too much, you know, but right. uh, what we're working with the best people in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The replication of, you know, of watching of these guys, the working with, you and when you get to the unit and there's probably a certain amount of professionalism when you get there you're expected to catch up right oh yeah 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 you're learning fast yeah yeah and you're probably dealing with some guys who'd been in you know vietnam like uh not 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 a, not not when i went to the unit okay when i went to the sf course sure because yeah. that was still in the early 80s right yeah when i got to the unit it was early 90s okay so Everybody had been out of that. Yep. By then. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Do you remember? Did, so, what were the what were the mission sets? And I know you probably can't discuss certain specifics on missions, but what were the mission sets like when you got to the unit? Did you enjoy the work when you got there? Yeah, I won't disclose you know stuff that we did. Right. Um, I do that stuff in private with people, but mm-hmm. not in open forum. Totally. You know, I just don't want to understand. Be one of those tools. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, the um. The the missions it's funny because they were all over the map. Yeah, you know people think I think they think of special ops as like you know kill capture right type of stuff, but they were all over the map. You know, and some of it was um, even uh, like clandestine or low visibility, uh, which which was 
that shit is just that's what, that's what you hope to do, you know. Right, yeah. That low vis creature of the night type of thing, yeah. You know that civilian clothes and and uh, cloak and dagger kind of crap. Yeah, um, that's that's real fun stuff. Instead of just you know kitting up with all the bells and whistles and going kicking doors, and we did that other thing too. You know that low vis uh, clandestine. Um, surreptitious type of entry and movement yeah 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 it was freaking awesome <laughs> that's cool yeah were you were you in when iraq kicked off when the towers got hit were you in yep by then okay oh yeah yeah what do you, what do you remember about that i remember it the... very 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 clearly yeah yeah <laughs> yeah because i got to the unit in 92 okay so so in 01 i was now an otc instructor okay so i'm training dudes you yeah. know the next generation of operator right and I am down on one of our ranges in a uh, CQB maze. I'm up on top of the CQB maze, um, putting dudes through CQB. There's about four of us up there on the catwalk. And in between iterations, you know, they you critique them. So I got down, and I'm critiquing one of my guys. Um, and uh, he's got a broken piece of gear. And I said, oh, when you... Uh, you have about 15 minutes before you go back into the maze again. You watch this video on your last hit. I'll go down and DX this piece of gear for you. Okay. So I freaking jump in the vehicle, get down there. Cause he's got shit to do, man. You know, right. I'm, I'm going to hook him up this student. And I go to, uh, whatever it is, S4 CIF and, um, run in to get him his piece of gear. And, and the guy at the, uh, uh, say F counters watching the TV and one of the towers was hit. But you know, when that first tower got hit, it was like, Oh man, that's crazy. That's a crazy accident. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and people were, were they were speculating that was, it was even a Cessna. Mm, yeah. Cause I asked him, I, I said, what happened? He goes, Oh, small plane just hit one of the, uh, uh, trade towers, world trade center. I was like, Holy crap. So one of the guys goes and gets me, um, my piece of gear that I need for this guy. And, I am watching the TV with the other guy and we're watching the smoke and, you know, and it's just a news channel. And then all of a sudden the other one gets hit. Mm. Now we know. Yeah. This wasn't some freak accident. Yeah. And he looks at me, I look at him and, you know, it's, it, it's, it, I think it's a reaction that most people had just silence. Yeah. Just like that sudden realization that dude, we're people are attacking us right now with freaking, jets yeah because when that second one went in you knew it was a that was a big jet yeah oh yeah you know the first one there wasn't a lot of film footage of it but now all eyes are watching yeah. right they're all eyes are watching right now um because one of the trade towers is smoke's coming from it yeah so when that second one went in it was like holy shit so i got that piece of gear and went back up range oh wow <clears throat> Boogied back up there, and I, I gathered a uh, real quick admin halt. I said, hey, guys, hold up a second. Hey, this is what's going on. And just then, um, somebody from the chain of command came downrange and said, hey, everybody to chow hall. So they pulled the whole unit in to the chow hall and gave us uh, basically an intel dump of what they knew. Uh, and I think by then, I think the third one, or w not the th one of them, either went into the field or hit the Pentagon. Okay. You know what I mean? Um so, yeah, that changed our perspective on everything right then. Yeah. 
Uh, no more peacetime army, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No more, no more low vis ops. No, no. <laughs> How much did the preparation change in instruction? Were you still instructing past that? Everything time? went the same. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Every, everything w- went exactly as, as the same. Nothing changed uh, at all. Yeah. Because we were always prepping for that level. Right. You know, nothing. There was nothing that said, "Holy shit!" There's now a sense of urgency. We better train harder. Yeah. There, yeah. Was, there, there was no way we could have trained harder. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but but mission focus, you know, yeah, um, like sense of urgency on mission focus was, uh, uh, you know, your perspective and attitude changed then right. definitely. Yeah. So you're in four years past that point. Were you about 2005 yep. is when you yep. got out? Mm-hmm. Did you do any trips over there? Did you? Yeah, I did two trips over to Iraq. Okay. Man, I, I'm bummed that I never got to go to Afghanistan. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Well, because I mean, that's more of what I would want to do. You know. That type of mountain yeah. warfare, right? I, I just think that would be so cool. Here, you know, hearing the guys tell stories about that, I'm like, oh man, yeah. You have, you know, deployment envy. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you didn't miss out on a lot, though, Pat. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I, I had a pretty cool career. Yeah, um, I was very fortunate. Did, yeah. What did you? How were those trips to Iraq for you? They were good. Yeah, yeah, they were they were really good, really productive. Just a lot of, you know, boom, 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 one thing after the other. Yeah. You know, there was always something to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty active missions. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. So you were, so in 2005, you got out. Yep. Yeah. What mm-hmm. what was that process like? Was that tough? I mean, you're going 22 years, man. Yeah, I, and to tell you the truth, I did not really want to get out at that point. But mm-hmm. I had some personal shit going on at home. Yeah. And I had two little kids, man. Yeah. Um. And their their mom was not providing them with the guidance yeah. and parenting that a parent should. Yeah. So um, I felt an obligation. You know, I was like, damn it, man. You know, where do my priorities lie? Yeah. Do uh, my priorities lie with being a, being a freaking badass commando or with raising my kids? Uh, and that was a big change, man. Yeah. Yeah. God. Talk about that. Yeah. Well, you you. know, I got a job even before I retired. Okay. Um, And I picked it. It was low hanging fruit because I didn't know anything about this side of the world. Yeah. Um, And and I was, and it wasn't um, going to be completely foreign to me because I was working with retired military dudes. Okay. So, um, and I was also going to be doing. Training. Yeah. So I was like, all right, good. Still gun stuff, you know. I'll maintain some relevancy and keep my skills up. Uh, But it was so, you know, I think at the time I thought it was cool. But now that I'm on my own, I look back and I go, that was so lame. (laughs) It was so freaking lame. Oh, it was just wasted years. Yeah. I I worked for this corporation for four and a half years, something like that. Man, I mean, I'm glad I went through that process because it helped get my foot in the door and I started um, uh, branding myself, you know, as a person in the gun industry. Uh, But damn, it sucked. Yeah. It sucked. So the job sucked and my relationship uh, was getting worse and worse, you know, at home. Uh, So home life sucked. It all just sucked. (laughs) Yeah. So at the end of those uh, four and a half, five years, whatever it was, uh, man, I so needed a change. Uh, and they laid me off. Mm. 
that job, they freaking laid me off and I'm going, holy sh! now what do I do? Yeah. What does that even mean? Yeah. Getting laid off, bro. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Um, and, You're in and, one of the most active elite units. Yeah, right. It's because you don't, you don't think, you never think about job security when you're in the military. Right. You never think, oh, man, tomorrow I might get fired, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might not have a job or a paycheck. And I didn't think about it while I was, because they they were kind of similar. Yeah. Ish. You know, because I'm working with, for a government contracting company. Right. Um, so I'm still thinking, yeah, I'm, in, you know, basically still working for the government. I got laid off. The uh, the amount of emotions you go through instantly, you know, so scared to death, you know, was the number one. Yeah. What am I going to do? What is it? You have, where does the thought process start here? Mm. What am I going to do now? Um, It'd be fair to say that you were more scared than you'd ever been in that role, being being in that place? Um, Different type of scared. Different type of scared. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Than like, you know, Crashing in a helo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> different type of scare. Yep. Or being um, trapped up by Russian officers. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> totally different. It was it was a it was a completely different feeling. It was so foreign. Yeah. And I did not even know how to process it. Uh when I went home, um I told my wife at the time who sucked, uh, and she goes, Oh, just get a job with so and so or so and so, you know, they'll hire you. because uh, I wasn't thinking about doing my own thing. But I called a couple dudes who I knew who were former unit dudes who were, had their own businesses. And I said, Hey, uh, do you think you can find me work? And all three of these dudes said the same thing. They all said, yes, absolutely. But they all said this too. Hey, just build your own business. Mm. Do it on your own. You got a name already. You're already branding yourself. People who know who you are Yeah. in the training industry. And I'm going, I don't know about that. But they gave me permission. And I had three weeks. Uh, this corporation that laid me off gave me three weeks. Man, I used every bit of that company time to build my own business. Yeah. Every single minute of it. I, I worked harder then than the past five years. <laughs> you know, I would get I would be the first one into work on that company computer. And just, man, the amount of data I was collecting and burning off and typing stuff up and, you know, getting my um, – uh, corporation going and my cage and duns code and all this crap you know this government stuff uh building um little shit like uh price quotes you know and stuff like that uh and i got my first uh i got my first contract um before my time was up there at the corporation yeah it was big man it was uh Fourth Brigade, eighty second Airborne Division. Wow, <laughs> <Yeah>. wow, <laughs> that's cool. So that kept me going for a while, and then it was uh, another one with Secret Service, and then it was another one with the Border Patrol. Wow, oh, cool. So I was like, oh man, these guys were right. I could do this, but the amount of shit that I learned from after I retired till now, mm-hmm. because man, I made all the mistakes. Yeah, I, all of them. Mm. What do you what do you think? Do, were you pushing things to the side still mentally, as far as like what you had you know suffered while you were in, and some yeah. of the pain? Were you pushing a lot of that to the side? Do you think? Yeah, no, it, it was it, it was almost like right on the surface. It was really bad. My last between um, that was getting laid off pushed me over. The, I was re- in a real low place 
before that real dark low place and you know i was still in this horrible relationship with a with a with a the mother of my kids who was a product of the mental health system she sucked man sucked so bad uh, i was living in the bonus room above my garage for almost five years for more than four years i lived in the bonus room above my garage and um now i'm on my own and i'm traveling my ass off so here I am traveling again, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, um, I mean, it sucked bad all the way up till, uh, 2013. Yeah. That's when shit changed again. So I had all, you know, I mean, you know, 2005 changed, shit changed dramatically. 2008 changed dramatically. 2010, you know, getting laid off and having to generate my own business. Everything changed again. And then 2013, it was, 2013 was my worst and best year ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Because it was right, I was I was almost like, uh, like I almost capitulated to darkness, you know. Yeah. Uh, was al- I was almost to the point where I was just going to accept mediocrity forever and just become a, just hit rock bottom. Yeah, just become a complete pos. Mm. What was the What was the turning point for you? Do you remember exactly that moment, or do you remember what led up to? There it? was the, yeah, there was um, there was one night. So I was I was a I was I was a day drinker every day. Uh, I would start, I would Jack and Coke. I would just empty half of Cokes out and fill the rest up with Jack and start drinking at like 11 in the morning. Um, just not to get freaking hammered, just to put me, just to kind of numb me out a little bit. The baseline. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and by eight, nine o'clock I was smashed every night. Um, and my kids would come up into the bonus room with me because it was their escape too, you know, and they'd watch like the Simpsons with me or some crap. And my kid that you met today, yeah, Jimmy Mac, yeah, nice kid, yeah, he was the cutest little freaking boy, man. So he's probably I don't know, let's say five at this time, and I'm sitting with him and I'm freaking smashed and I'm all I'm just melting on the couch, and um, th- I remember that night vividly. There was a, we're watching The Simpsons, so the TV's over here, and I have a little window right here. There's a little window and it's dark outside, and there's a little teeny, uh, uh. Um, table lamp, you know, incandescent light. So it's kind of filling this room with this real soft yellow, orangish light. <clears throat> and this window is open right here. It's open to the elements and it's black out there. And I'm looking at the window, just out of it for whatever reason. And boom, a freaking owl, a screech owl lands right on the windowsill. I mean, it's literally from here to that bookshelf away. Wow. And I'm looking at the screech owl. And I look, turn real slowly to James, and I go, James. And he goes, what? I said, look at the window real slowly. And he turns his head, and we're both looking at this little screech owl. And it flies off, and I go, dude, that was cool. And he's, he's, you know, like this. And I'm looking at this little cute face, and I tell Jimmy Mack, and I'm, like I said, I'm smashed. And I said, James, you know what? I, I, I don't just love you, dude. I am in love with you. Mm. And he started crying, you know, not like bawling, but, you know, he welled up like instantly. Um, uh, but I put him to bed and I realized, fuck, man, I got to be around for these kids. I can't be this piece of shit, you know. So that night I'm thinking and uh, did some soul searching. And I said, I'm going to go for a run tomorrow for whatever. Re- I don't know what. So I but I but I pre planned it. So I put out my running shoes. I put up my eye. I, I pod uh some shorts or whatever 
and I set an alarm and I get up early. It's like a Saturday morning. Uh, and I put all my shit on and I, I just started running. It was like a Forrest Gump moment, you know? <laughs> um, and I ran for like an hour and a half, man. I'm not a runner. <laughs> I mean, like an hour and a half. And I come back and and I'm just, you know, mental clarity. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm starving, but I don't want to go into the house. Where I called the house the home where dreams go to die. That's what I would call it. I didn't want to go in there to get something to eat. So I stayed in the driveway. I worked out for like another hour and a half. And at that point, I wasn't working out hard either. Um and man, I just felt so freaking good. You know, that was, and, and I, 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 I had all these mantras I was saying to myself, like, you know, um, I will not be defeated, shit like that. Yeah. And, and I'm not buried, I am planted, you know, and yeah. I just started like encouraging myself. That was my first victory in so long, having that little victory right there. Uh, and now just like having that victory in wrestling, I wanted more of it mm. because now I remember the feeling. This is what victory feels like. Yeah. Give me more of this shit right now. And then one thing happened after the other. Um, it, was, it was, I can't recall if it was that day or the next day. A uh, local cop called me because um, the cops knew me. Plus they had been to my house like five times because my ex would call them on me. Uh, because, you know, um, I'm bugging the house or she found shoes or there's a girl in her closet, you know, just all this delusional shit. Right. Um, so they knew she was batshit crazy, but, uh, they called me and said, Hey, can I meet you at the house? And I said, sure. Yeah. 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 So I, I'm, I'm downtown, I'm doing errands or something and, uh, get home and I, I never, this cop's name was Tom and I'll never forget the look on his face. Thankfully he was, he, he was a seasoned cop. So he's an older guy. And he had these, he's got these big brown soft eyes, you know, and he's looking at me and he, he's kind of shaking his head. And he goes, hey, man, uh, I just ran into your wife in the village and she's real jacked up on drugs. And and I and I brush it off. I go, oh, OK, yeah, I'll go check on her. Uh, but he knew I was in a bad place. Yeah. But I'm faking it, man. Mm-hmm. And he goes, Mac, I got to tell you, you need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, the kids will understand. Kids are resilient. Man, I just came unglued. I just gushed. Yeah, this is the first time anybody's ever acknowledged. Yeah. I had no idea that anybody even knew. Mm. You know, he's reciprocating some of your feelings that you had inside. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yep. And um, I moved out the next day. Wow. I found a place close to my five hundred yards away. Because I needed to be close to the kitties. Right. Found a condo, loaded up truck, you know, uh, with whatever I could fit in it. You know, so guns and ammo. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> guns, ammo, and gear. I think that's all I left with. Got to have the important stuff. Yeah. And uh, I left everything else there. Uh, took a futon bed. Um, small TV. But uh, I, I don't know. But yeah, man. So that was 2000. That was March or April of 2013. So it was my worst year because I was bottom of the barrel. Also my rebirth. Mm, yeah. 48 years old at the time, 2013. Now I have to start life all over again. Wow. Powerful. Um, yep. What did you learn in that rebirth? What did you learn about Pat Mack, about yourself? Going I, 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 I remembered who I was. That's one thing, you know, and um, uh, because I was forgetting. 
I was forgetting about that. So, you know, joined the gym, started working out again, started uh, knuckling down, started generating business and just started thinking, you know, thinking more, thinking, thinking, thinking and and uh, trying to nourish my brain more because my brain was becoming stagnant. Uh, so I really needed a rekindle because now I got a fire lit under my ass. And now, man, my fire became like an inferno. Mm. I mean, it that's the other saying I have is keep the blaze alive. So, you know, it was, and I use this analogy of, I was at the point where my fire was out, but I still had an ember, just an ember. That's all I had. But man, that day, you know, when I went for that run, it was like nurturing the ember into a flame and then the flame into the fire and then the fire into an inferno. And I just went freaking batshit crazy with work. I, I really, I worked my ass off because, well, now the divorce process started and I hired an expensive freaking lawyer yeah. and I'm trying to get custody of the kids. So I had to work my ass off to pay for all this crap. <laughs> oh, but I didn't mind. Yeah. <laughs> Anything to get to that next phase. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. What was that next phase like and getting to get out on the road and, you know, and you're getting into the tactical side, right? You'd already been in it. Yep. Since, no, 2010, since 2010, I'd been in it. But ticket. big lessons. So here's another thing about 2013. So best year, worst year. Let me get to more worst. Okay. Okay. Because this was part of the, so one, a big lesson learned was never put all your eggs in one basket. Right, so this is part of the transitional phase of speeches that I give to people, because, like I said in 2013, what had happened? Government contract, government contract, 82nd Airborne, Secret Service, Border Patrol. I'm set to jet, man. Those are government cash cows. Yeah, I'm set. I don't need, you know. And I was doing some open enrollment stuff. So I'm looking at my calendar for 2013. It's filled to the brim, mostly with Border Patrol. So I'm constantly going out to El Paso or Artesia, you know, and um, uh, or, or I'm going um, up to like D.C. area working with the Secret Service. But I am hustling, man. I am working hard. And at the beginning of 2013, I look at my calendar. I'm going, I am very proud of this. It's filled. Yeah. And what happened Oh, there's people out there. Oh, you know what happened in 2013. Mm. This little thing called sequestration. Mm. So in January or February, February, light switch. Click. Every government agency that I had a job with emailed me and said, can't do it. Funds have cut. And funds were cut. You know, this is during Obama, right? So sequestration um, for travel and training. Mm. Travel and training. So now I'm looking at my counter. I'm going, oh, man, no. it, it was good and bad. Good in that now I had time because in April, now I'm on my own again. So I did have time to start to rethink the process. You needed some white space. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Not, but I was already in debt too Yeah. because of my ex. I had no idea <laughs> how much debt we were in until – I had to shoulder it all. Yeah. And I'm look I mean 100,000. Yeah. Credit cards. Yeah. Th- that's not me. 
you know, and I'm going, oh my God. Now I can't, now I have no work for the next six months either. <laughs> so now I'm racking up more debt. It's getting rough. Yep. But, um, uh, I kept my hand under water by, uh, uh, Picking up a bunch of open enrollment classes. Because by then, my name was big enough in the industry that I could fill a class with, let's say, two months notice. Yeah. Right now, I can fill a class in 2026 with a 10-minute. <laughs> you know? If, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but, dude, that's freaking sweat equity there. Yeah. You know, yeah. that shit come, actually came with a price. Yeah. A lot of people say it must be nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it, it, it's nice, but you know what? With uh, freedom through discipline. You put it. Th- you put yep. that there. Freedom through discipline, man. That's sweat equity. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They say it must be nice. It's like, dude, I I freaking worked for that shit, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and it didn't start right. then with the tactical courses. Right. It started back in the yep. day. Yep. In that wrestling match. Yep. Right. Yeah. You're putting it in then. Yep. So, so how did you get through that that period of that white space? Uh, in it was those open enrollments. Yeah, the little open enrollments. Yep, uh, because that's all I knew. Right, yeah. but and then I realized, dude, man, open enrollment is a place. That's where to go. Yeah, that's it right there. I'm never going to another government contract. And other dudes told me that too. They said, hey, I learned that lesson in 2006 or nine or whatever. Yep. Don't put all your eggs in one basket and stay away from government contract stuff because they just don't pan out. Yeah. They could pull through. They have the they have in, uh, uh, the the right or the uh, impunity to pull the plug any second they want. Yeah. Yeah. They have no obligation. It's not like you could hold their feet to the fire. It's like, hey, government, you go ahead and give me a down payment or pay me in advance. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. <laughs> Government's like, cool. Screw no. you. <laughs> so I made enough. Um, to keep my head above water, you know, but it was a lot of work, man. Boom, 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 boom. One trip after the other. So I, I, and I made, I was making good money, but it was all going to either pay debt, pay the kid's mom, you know, pay lawyers. And then I would have this little chunk of change left so I could enjoy life to some degree. Yeah. Uh, and then everything changed again when I met Rebecca. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like the, right at the beginning of September of 2013. Yeah. Talk about her. Dude, she is <laughs> fucking awesome, man. Yeah. She's the best human being I ever met. When you yeah. talked about her earlier when we were outside mm-hmm. and you brought her up. Yep. You're, you're, I don't know if you're aware of it, but you're, you know, your, your countenance changed. You, yeah. you softened, your eyes lit up. Man, I, 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 you know what? We've been together. She reminded me. Oh, hold on. Mm. we're coming up on nine years that's awesome because i told somebody the other day yeah we've been together seven years and she's mac 2013 2022 <laughs> i said oh shit nine <laughs> i've been hitting the head a lot honey. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know nine years we haven't had a single crossword wow mm-hmm. mm. well i'm done with that yeah yeah i'm done with that i I'm, I, I did so much of that I heard so much of it. I'm so done with that. Yeah. It's not even funny. Yeah. Um, but Rebecca is one of the best all-around human beings that I've ever met in my life. Mm. And I wish it on good people that they could find their, it's such a corny term, but their soulmate. Right. I don't call it soulmate. I call it my person. Yeah. She is my person. And one of the things we do for one another is we make 
we make us's better us's. Mm. You know, we make we bring out the best in one another, and she she did that like instantly with me, and I did that instantly with her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was um 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 it it it, it, it was absolutely mind blowing. You know, the 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 instant connection, and I was so nervous that I was gonna lose this thing. You know, this. Uh, I was very, very careful. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we we kind of, we fast-tracked in that I had her move in with me uh, just a couple months after we were dating. Wow. <laughs> yeah, a couple Soon. months. Soon. Yep. Yeah. It felt, you felt that connection all the yeah. way throughout, though. Yep. Well, I, I cared for her instantly. Yeah. And I did not like where she was living. Mm. In in. Um, and I, I cared for her and I was concerned about her safety early on. Yeah. So, yeah. She learned a lot from you and you've learned a lot from her. Oh, hell yeah. And yeah. still. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, she, she, she's very well read in like history and stuff. I don't know shit about, yeah, you yeah. know, the Greeks and Romans and, and the, Egyptians and she knows <laughs> I saw all her, that. I saw her profile pic on Instagram. She's got books stacked yes, in front of her. Yeah, right. yeah. Yep. I pay attention. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> she knows all of that stuff, you know. Yeah. And I know all the basic dude stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's perfect balance. Yeah. <laughs> There's an emotional intelligence there, right? Yeah. Between how much does she help calm those, you know, demons and the, the things that come back up from the past time? She does it just with her presence. Yeah. It doesn't um, have to be stated. No, no, because her demeanor is just on point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's uh, – the first compliment I ever gave her was, Rebecca, you know what I like about you is um, poise and confidence. Mm. I, I, I said, I think that's so attractive, your poise and confidence. But so her that's her demeanor. You know, when people meet her, um, they would agree. You know, if I, if I pointed at her and said, right there, poise and confidence, they'd go, yeah, you're right. That, I see. Yeah, poise and confidence. <laughs> yeah. She does have that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she's got everything in between, too, you know. Yeah. Uh, funny, smart as shit, ambitious, motivated, uh, driven, self-governed, um, drop-dead freaking gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap, man. I tell you know what I, I tell her I, I I say this often. I I try to beat her. I try to beat her out of bed. <laughs> I try to get up before she does. I try to beat her out of bed every morning because I want to bring her a cup of coffee every morning. Yeah. And I look at her. I'll put that cup of coffee down, and I'll look at her. And I go, damn. And the universe rewarded me. <laughs> all that freaking, all that crap that I went through, you know, yeah. and those bad years of marriage, the freaking universe revo- rewarded me. <laughs> there wow. it is right there. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. What would you advise to guys who are going through that similar, you know, down moment, you know, that moment of depression where they're getting out? And yeah. So it, this is one is, this is huge, right? So, they have to stay connected with other. I didn't stay connected with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Josh Collins coined the term connection is the cure. He's a buddy of mine who did a bunch of charity stuff. He, he's got a cool, cool backstory, man. Yeah. He's got Josh Collins. But connection is the cure. Pretty sure that's his term. Uh, 
So they have to stay connected with like-minded dudes because they're not going to find it uh, on TV, on social media, or at their local watering hole. So they have to stay connected. And most guys, initially, you know what they want to do? They want to disconnect. I did. Uh, and then I realized real fast how much I was missing. I was missing dudes. <laughs> Sounds pretty gay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's number one. They have to stay connected. Camaraderie is important. Yep. yep. Uh, and number two, they can't, they can't, uh, let stagnation take over. They have to stay busy. Mm. They have to stay employed, you know, and I'm, I'm not talking employed with a job, but employed, they have to stay busy. That's so freaking important because that's, those are two things I did not do. So when I was working, I was working, but when I was home, I was stagnant. I wasn't doing shit. And that started eating away at me. Just yeah. started chipping away at the person that who I was. So those are two big things right there. Yeah. What have you picked up yourself? You know, I've seen you with the hobbies now. You know, grabbing the recurve bow. Yep. Bow, getting after it on the workouts, mm-hmm. shooting. But everything in your life seems to be centered around that activity and keeping going. Yep. So I've always been interested. And I think that's important, right? So if you're... If you're interested too, you become interesting. Mm. And then another another thing I tell people is the the more you know, the less you have to rely on others to help you out. Mm. Um, but yeah, man, I want to continue learning. There's always stuff I'll look at and I go, man, I want to do that. I want to try that. Um, but this is important too, uh, especially with guys transitioning or when they start uh you know find themselves in a dark place or low and they're and they say that they say you know what i'm thinking about doing that do it right now in other words you don't need a plan sometimes action without a plan is way better than a plan with no action yeah just start the process whatever that is you know the uh, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single footstep or whatever, you know, corny saying is just start whatever it is. Just start. You know, I want to build that thing or I want to go to that place. Start right now. Yeah. Yeah. Start packing shit. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be a unit operator to do that. Either. Right. No, yeah. hell no. Yeah. Mm-mm, no. Yeah. Mm-mm. You don't even have to be a military guy. Yeah. You know, or, or ex-military guy. Yep. Cause a lot of people find themselves in, in dark, low places, and it's not because they're suffering from depression because they missed the camaraderie of the military. But it is commonplace with military dudes, especially career military dudes and especially ground pounders, you know? Yeah. Because the camaraderie around gr- ground pounders is, um, I think it's more uh, intimate than, uh, you know, somebody who's an office worker in the military. Right, right. And you came up with these applications for, you know, what you're doing now in strength training mm-hmm. tactics. Yep. I see a lot of connection between good business ideas and, like, you employing that because you see a need mm-hmm. and then you feel that need. Is that just your mind? Is that the way your mind works? You want to fill that spot? You see, hey, I could help people through this. 
Is that the thing that connects you to the idea which you employ? Uh, phrase that differently so I could get a better answer. Yeah. So yeah. when you're doing, when you've developed these courses, when you've come up with these actionable plans in the gym mm-hmm. for other people to take part in, but to break it down in a simplistic way yep. so that they can understand it, mm-hmm. where did that come from? All right. So I get it now. So something I realized that I like doing, and and I didn't even know I had a knack for it. I didn't know that uh, this was my calling. Yeah. <laughs> um, was helping people be better people. Mm. Dude, the amount of fulfillment you get from that right there is is it's through the roof, you know, uh as far as fulfillment goes. Because that's something else that we need, especially um when you're when you're disconnected, you know, when you get out of the military or something like that. So not just connection, but you need fulfillment and purpose. So making people better people is purpose for me. It's meaningful and it gives me meaning and it is so freaking fulfilling. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So I am, it's like, that's my full-time job now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I do. Yeah. On different fronts. Yeah. Whether it's doing a podcast like this or whether it's running a, course or whether it's sharing good information uh on the interwebs uh making people better people yeah love it yeah that's huge my full-time job now yeah that's awesome i I tell rebecca all the time because man the amount of correspondence i get from people saying bro you have no idea how much you helped me out i'm going I, I, i tell rebecca i say i have no idea what i'm doing yeah no idea. She goes, just keep doing it. <laughs> well, and, the, and the, you know, it's funny because um, um, my buddy CJ and I talked about this a lot. We do the uh, University of Badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might have at uh, uh, Winter Strong. Yes, I did, yeah. Um, people are craving authentic and genuine mm-hmm. now. And I don't know how to fake it. <laughs> yeah. There's too many people in my industry who are um, – you know, they're faking it. Yeah. And they're they're passing on like false motivation, you know. Do better. Get some. Grind. <laughs> Dig deep. <laughs> Motivational poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> Do more push-ups. <laughs> yeah. Get to the gym now. <laughs> so the university badassery, mm-hmm. that came from that just initial idea of helping people. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so it's funny because both CJ and I have a real similar quote. We came up with it with these quotes on our, on our own. Um, uh, his is um, to be an ass kicker. You have to be able to kick ass. And the first ass you have to kick is your own. Mm. Um, mine is similar in that. If you cloned yourself yesterday, can you kick your clones ass tomorrow? Ah. You know, so make incremental improvements to improve yourself every day a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so so that's what the University of Badassery means. It's not being a badass, you know, and walking around with your chest puffed out and, and throwing haymakers. And, uh, and it's about, um, you know, helping others by helping yourself. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 
how much how much do you learn through the process of teaching how much is that taught a lot, you? watching man. watching different people so the process of what the process of teaching has taught me is how to read people how to treat people uh, and uh because when you're teaching, it's real important. You have to be the right person who's going to say the right thing to the right person at the right time. Everybody needs to be treated a little differently. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, I want to treat everybody equally. But when you're teaching, everybody needs to be treated a little differently. Uh, and you have to gauge the thickness of their skin and all this stuff. But so I've learned that. Also, like brevity. Um the clarity by which something is defi- defined will determine the effectiveness of its application, shit like that, you know. So short, clear, <coughs> <coughs> excuse me, short, clear, concise. Yep. I've learned a lot from teaching. Yeah. I've seen that action. I, w- I was watching that on Sunday, mm-hmm. how people responded to you. Yep. Yeah. Well, you see, too, there's some theatrics, you know, in my teaching. You know, there's big gesticulation. It's like being a rock star right. on stage, yeah. you know. I want them to feel the energy. Mm-hmm. I want to fill every gram of every uh, uh, millimeter that has void in it. You know, I want to fill this void here full of energy and because it's um, contagious. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true, man. I feel that yep. when you're teaching, mm-hmm. uh, even in the structure period, you know, when you're there at the range, it's theatrics, but with a purpose. Right. And that purpose served, you see it in the students because mm-hmm. they all pick up on it. Yep, they're very responsive to it. Yeah, very. And even in your notes to guys, you know, I noticed that. You mm-hmm. don't offer, you know, quick compliments every five seconds. Right. Those compliments are purposeful. Yep. Those compliments drive those guys to get better. Right. I saw I, with one student in particular where it's like you said something to him, said, hey, footwork's looking good. Yep. And that quick compliment, like you Just got a that. real quick yep. smile. Yep, yep. It, 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 because when when has anybody ever complimented that guy? I don't remember which guy you're talking. Because yeah. he was like short and dumpy, yeah. you know. Yeah. When's everybody anybody complimented him on his physical ability? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in that moment, having... yeah, yeah, yeah. So I tried. You know, I'm not one of those. Good job, good job. Yeah. No hell no. Yeah. Mm-mm. You're gonna, gonna earn that. Mean, yeah, it's gonna be a meaningful compliment. Yeah. You know, there's that grip I was talking about. Oh, looks like you just had a, a religious experience, man. You just had an, an epiphany because your shot group just got tightened up, bro. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what are your what have you been your greatest lessons in this and in what you're doing and what do you feel is the greatest lesson that you've learned through teaching? Huh, my greatest lesson. And there's probably the, many. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, I already stated a couple of them, right? So I think when, when I started teaching, I was one of those guys who I talk about now too many are too eager to say too much, mm. not necessary. Yeah. Um, so I really learned, you know, it's important to know what to say, but it's, it's equally important to know what not to say. Mm. So I really learned that, um, man, I learned patience. Well, patience I learned through my past relationship um, and then being on the range with dudes. Like you saw in this class that you when you were out, yeah. the amount of – because I had a couple guys who were not savvy. Right. And patience, man. Oh. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, I saw that side eye. <laughs> I was watching. I was watching them too. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm gonna keep my eyes open when <laughs> this guy's got the gun. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Patience, and then you know, and 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 I keep relearning too. Um, that uh, positive energy is contagious, man. Yeah, you know. So keep uh, keep keep people motivated. You know, keep them fired up and without false motivation yeah what's the most important thing like how, how do you want people to remember pat mack like you know in all your yeah, life and legacy i, I and the think way they see you? uh how, um i would love if they remembered me by what i'm doing right now making people better people you know spreading positive energy and positive advice and not taking life too seriously serious Seriously, serious. Not taking life too serious. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, being a you know uh, as positive of an influence as I can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tell people you see so you got two you got two book, books out. Yep, Sentinel and Taps. Taps I wrote years ago, and that was you know it's a it's a uh, book on shooting. Yeah. And I wrote that pretty much as a secure intellectual property, but it's still relevant. People still say, man, this is a great freaking little book for the range. Yeah. Uh, and then Sentinel is um, how to be the agent in charge of your own executive protection detail. Mm. That's a good fun read. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll post links to both those. Cool. And uh, man, it's been a pleasure, man. Same, bro. This yeah. is fun. Yeah. You're a good moderator. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> a good host. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it, Pat. It's uh, always an honor, and I did start off. You were the one of the first guys, I think the first guy that I ever watched, so I appreciate that cool. early on, man. Very thankful for your knowledge and sharing that knowledge. Absolutely. It means a lot. Yeah, thanks for uh, allowing me to be a part of this endeavor of yours. Yeah. Because it's a cool thing that you're doing, man. Thank and you, I'm man. I'm honored to be a part of it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. For those of you listening, uh, don't forget to check out Past Books and University of Badassery, yep. of course. Yep. Instagram tag for that is yep. University uh, of Badassery. Yeah, and you can find all my stuff on T-Max, T-Max Inc. Inc. T-M-A-C-S-I-N-C. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love the videos, man. Mm-hmm. I pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> for those of you listening, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and most of all, don't forget our legacies are the mission. This has been the Veterans Project Podcast with our founder, Tim Kay. Check us out at www.thevetsproject.com, on Instagram at The Veterans Project, Facebook, The Veterans Project, and Twitter at Project underscore Veteran. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, our legacies are the mission.